Welcome to the Next Level Podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational message from one of our youth services. It is our prayer that this message brings encouragement and a blessing to your life. To find out more about Next Level Youth, visit us on the web at palaceofpraise.com or on Instagram at Next Level Youth Group. Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus gives eight parables. We're going to focus on one parable. I'm going to tell you what parables are and why Jesus spoke in parables in just a moment. It's called the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And in these parables, Jesus starts them like this. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. You know what's funny? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get off my notes for a second. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, His physical body, people could see it. He appeared to almost 500 or even more than 500 people. Jesus walked the earth for 40 days. 40 days before He ascended back up into heaven and take his, took His seat back beside God the Father. When Jesus did that, He had two goals for 40 days. Guess what they were? To prove His resurrection and to teach people about the kingdom. Why? Why? Because this kingdom is so different. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I understand the kingdom, I just want you to say, I just want to tell you, you don't. You don't fully understand God's kingdom. So I just want to encourage you. If you're sitting here and you're like, I know all these things, I've heard this stuff. No, you haven't. Or if you have, you still don't understand it all. So just listen to God's word. All right? All right. All right. What is a parable? What is a parable? Am I yelling too loud? What is a parable? I'm about to tell you, sir. Before we jump in to this parable of the sower, what is a parable? Because we see this. We've talked about parables in the past. We've talked about some of Jesus' parables in this series. What is a parable? And why did Jesus frequently teach, speak, with parables. Number one, what is a parable? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a spiritual lesson. A simple story used to illustrate a spiritual lesson that Jesus would teach in one of the four Gospels. So what He would do, a parable, what it might do is it might take the form of a story, a simile, or a metaphor. And what it would do is Jesus would appeal to things that were common to people things that people understood, He would appeal to them and He would bring out spiritual lessons, spiritual disciplines, keys to the kingdom in relating these stories, these parables to the people so they might understand. Other, other things you might hear like Pastor Miller say on a Sunday, I've heard him say, a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, one thing, if you read many parables, sometimes there's a lot, there's a lot of details. And sometimes Jesus is speaking through every one of those details, but just remember that almost every parable, Jesus is trying to convey one big message. Okay, so if you're reading the parables, you're like, I don't understand all these things, try to get the main thing out of the parable. That's just an extra nugget for you. But why? Why did He use them so many times? Have you ever been reading the Gospels and you say, why? Why all these parables? Anybody? 
Some of you? Well, the disciples wondered, and they asked Jesus. Actually, they asked Jesus in Matthew 13.10, after He tells the parable of the sower. He said, they said, why do you teach in parables, Jesus? This is what He says. Matthew 10 and 11. And you can go home and read the rest of this through verse 17 later. The disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus said this. And He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Jesus is revealing the secrets to the the mysteries, some versions say, of the kingdom of heaven to His disciples through the parables. Go read verse 12-17, through and Jesus goes into more details. But I just want to give you, and you can pull your phone out and take a picture, if you want, seven reasons that graphic we had up early, seven reasons for Jesus using parables. This is just some extra knowledge for you. We'll go through them quickly. Number one, Jesus uses parables to reveal truth in interesting form to create more interest. Number two, to make known new truths to interested hearers. Number three, to make known mysteries by comparison with things already known. Number four, to conceal truth from disinterested hearers and rebels at heart. Number five, add truth to those who love it and want more of it. Sounds like a song. Number six, to take truth away from those who hate it and do not want it. Number seven, to fulfill prophecy. That's just some extra information, some extra knowledge for you that you can take with you for free. I do take... Offerings. I will take an offering after the end of this. My kid goes to daycare. <laughs> My wife said, Amen. All right, I'm just kidding. If you're new, I'm just kidding. So, here we go. The parable of the sower. Say sower. Just want to make sure you're awake out there. Sower. We're going to read Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Then we're going to skip down to verse 18 through 23. Now, In 1 through 9, Jesus tells the parable to the crowd. Verse 18, they're asking, What does this parable mean? Jesus explains. So we're going to jump down to verse 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. Say, sow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, sow, with a W. And he sowed some seeds. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And he, as he sowed some seeds, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Very interesting. Verse 18. Jesus explains the parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, excuse me, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom 
and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown into his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise, on account of his word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and in another thirty-fold. This parable of Jesus, the parable of the sower, is extremely relatable, easy to understand parable. The concept of sowing seed and seeing a harvest is something that most people understand. All the way from the farmer who does it for a living to the business businessman who lives in the city, this is something that people could understand, something that people could relate to. Understanding this parable tonight is key into opening more of your understanding of the way the kingdom of God and specifically the message of the kingdom of God that is sown into people's lives, how it works. God, Jesus Christ, gives us more insight on how His kingdom works in this parable. As we've said 47,000 times in this series, series <laughs> I've said it too many times. It's one too many times. Jesus proclaimed the message of His kingdom more than anything else. Here's the thing with Jesus. Anybody got a teacher that's just super monotone and boring? I got, I got some... Raise the hallelujah. Uh, I got some people in here that know what I'm talking about. Here's the thing with... I don't know where that came from. But I got a song in my heart. Jesus wasn't like that at all. When Jesus talked about His kingdom, it wasn't some monotone, boring word or message or teaching. When Jesus spoke... He spoke with power. He spoke with the authority of God. He spoke with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just words that Jesus came into this world with, but He had deeds too. All the way back in Matthew 4. We're going to go back for a second. Matthew 4. Just read these verses quickly. Matthew 4, 22, excuse me, 23 through 25. Jesus proclaims His kingdom, calls the first disciples, verse 22, and He went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people so His fame spread all through Syria. <coughs> they brought Him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and He healed them. 
And great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. Jesus starts his ministry and signs and wonders follow him. And if you were to read Matthew all the way up to chapter 13, where we are now, starting with chapter 8, you would see headline after headline, heading after heading. Jesus cleanses a leper, the faith of a centurion, where he says, I know you can heal my daughter and you don't have to come. You just say the word and he did it. And then it says, Jesus heals many. Jesus calms a storm. Jesus heals two men with demons. Jesus heals a paralytic. A girl is restored to life. A woman is healed. Jesus heals two blind men. He heals a man unable to speak. I skipped a page. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm using my Bible so you can see that I'm not making this up and you can check it out for yourself. Miracle after miracle, sign after sign, wonder after wonder. Jesus didn't just come with words, but action, signs, wonders, miracles, authority followed Him where He went. Even though all these things are true, all these things are the case, not everyone responded to the gospel of the kingdom the same way. Not everyone had the same response. Some rejected it. Some just responded casually. Didn't last long. And we'll get more to that in a little bit. But to the people who saw what was going on and experienced it and, and became part, a part of His kingdom, and the disciples specifically talking about the twelve, seeing people reject the Gospel, deny it, respond halfway, probably puzzled them. And they probably wondered why. Why is this the case? How can you reject the, capital T-H-E, the good news? How? How could you only casually respond to something so real, so good, so life-changing, so undeniable. Can any of you relate to this? Have you ever talked to family or friends about Jesus and the good news of the Gospel of Jesus? That Jesus came, He lived a perfect life, the life we couldn't live. He died a death that we deserved. He became a ransom for us. He paid the penalty for us. And then He defeated death, sin, hell and the grave for us so we might know God. And so we might know Him forever. And you share this message, and that was just the short verse, and you share the message, and if you ever wonder why reject something so good, because to you, it is life-changing. To you, it is real. To you, it is worth giving everything for. But when you speak to someone, and you have passion, and you have authority, and you have anointing, and you wonder why. Why? Why so hesitant? Why do you reject it? Why do people just look at you like you're an idiot? Why? 
I think that every stinking Wednesday, every Wednesday, I ask this question to myself. How? Why? That is the question. How can you deny it? Why would you deny it? Why would you want to deny it? And what goes wrong? What went wrong? What did I say wrong? What did I do wrong? This parable sheds some light on that. Shed some light on why not everyone responds to the Gospel with their life. Now, the parable. Back to the parable. We see the sower. Three key things, elements in the parable. The sower. The sower in the parable is Jesus Christ. It could also be, the sower in the parable could also be the disciples, every member of Jesus Christ who sheds or spreads the good news of the Gospel of Jesus. So we have the sower in the parable. Then we have the seed. What is the seed? The seed is the good news. And then we have the soil. The soil is the key to the parable. This parable probably should be called the parable of the soil. Because it's the key variable. The soil. What is the soil in the parable? The soil if you didn't know this already or didn't get it from reading it or hearing the explanation, the soil is the human heart. The innermost part of you. So what's Jesus' diagnosis? What does Jesus say the problem is? Is the problem when people deny it, reject it, respond casually? Is the problem the sower? No. Is the problem the seed? No. The problem's the soil. The problem's the human heart. That's the problem. So what Jesus does in this parable, He brings out four different types of soil. Four different types of human heart that can really widespread and almost hit almost, I use the word almost, hit every single person that exists. But understand, as we get into this parable, Jesus isn't giving an end-all, be-all reason for why people reject the Gospel. These aren't the only four types of hearts. But just remember, Jesus is trying to reveal to His disciples more secrets and more understanding about His kingdom. So, the rest of the night, I'm going to try to go fast here, so just track with me, follow with me. I'm going to talk about the four types of soil, of four types of human hearts for the rest of the night from this parable. Soil number one, heart number one, the hard heart. The hard heart. Let's go to verse four. Verse four, let's put it back up there. Verse four, the first part of the parable. And he, and as Jesus sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. That's in the first part of the parable, but then when Jesus starts to explain it, He goes to verse 19 and 20. Can we read verse 19 and 20? Just to refresh your memory. I'm being tough on Josh tonight, who's awesome. When anyone who hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
this is what was sown along the path. Verse 20. That's for, oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. The hard heart. The heart that just simply rejects. Just rejects it. Flat out rejects it. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Just flat out rejecting the good news. The seed is sown, but nothing comes of it. It falls along the path. It has no soil. There's nothing there to make it grow. So the birds, the birds represent Satan, the evil one. He comes and he snatches the seed. He come, comes and he snatches this truth of the Gospel from the hard heart. This is one of the hardest things to see. It's really hard when you talk to people that are just aren't interested. It's really hard to see the look on people's face when you're talking to them, when you're preaching. You know the funny thing about it is that you would think... i got to be careful what I say sometimes. You might expect that from someone who is new to church, is new to the gospel, is, is new to things. But man, the worst, a lot of times, are the people who've been coming here for years and their parents come here all the time and they drag them here and they make them come. Sometimes those are the people who have the hardest heart. And they just stare at you with a blank look like it has no effect. It's like in any kind of service or any kind of conversation, it's like they're there, but they're not. can't tell you how many times I look out there, and I try not to look all that much, but sometimes I do more than others. I sit back and looked. Because you guys worshipped tonight. And I just thought, it just, it's just sad. And, and I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. And there's, there's a lot of reasons you could go through, and we don't have time to go through them all, why someone has a hard heart. Maybe they just have doubt. Maybe their circumstances in life are really rough, so they have a bad attitude towards God and the Gospel. Maybe they've seen people who proclaim to know Jesus, or their parents proclaim to know, but at home they, they belittle them, they hit them inappropriately, things like that. Maybe that's the case. Maybe they've been hurt from people who are supposed to love them and care for them. Some people just simply, they're just not open to the Gospel, etc. And I just pray by the authority of the Spirit of God in this room that every person who has a hard heart towards the Gospel, that the love of Jesus will begin to pick and begin to penetrate and to begin to soften the soil and the hearts. That the Spirit of God would be like a tiller that would just come in and just soften the soil to people's heart by the grace and the love and the mercy of God so those who have a hard heart might receive the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ that is for 
everyone. I pray that in Jesus' name. Number two, the superficial heart. The superficial heart. I tell myself I'm going to preach quickly and then I just find myself not preaching fast enough. But I don't want to preach so fast that it sounds like I'm speaking in tongues. So it's going to be all right. Verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. The superficial heart. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, but they did not have so much soil. They did not have much soil, excuse me. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Verse 6. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. They scorched! (laughs) They had no root. They withered away. Then Jesus explains a little more. Verse 20 through 21. I love you, Josh. Verse 20 through 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Very interesting. Receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately he falls away. The superficial heart. So imagine a thin layer of soil that just has a ton of rocks underneath it. There's not enough room for the seed to take root. That is the super mesh, superficial heart. The funny thing is, Jesus says they respond with joy. So they respond to the message of the kingdom not just with words, but with emotion. There's some kind of an emotional experience that took place. Even though that's the case, the seed doesn't take root. The soil doesn't have enough soil nutrients for the seed to develop and grow. So with this person, with the superficial heart, things seem good for a while. And then persecution comes. Then trial comes. Then tribulation comes. Temptation comes. And when those things come, when life doesn't go as planned, it's almost like that very thing they were so happy about, all of a sudden, that whole seed, that whole plant (coughs) is gone. sprouts up for a little bit. And it's scorched. It's gone. And it's like nothing happened in the first place to that person. This is why. This is why in Next Level Youth, I will never ever again, unless prompted by, I don't want to say never ever, unless prompted by the Spirit of God, I will not do a raise your hand, repeat this prayer, and be saved response in Next Level Youth. Because we have done that all across the world, and if we're not careful, we could make salvation look like it's easy and it's just a prayer, and that's it. And a lot of times when someone has a response like that, chances are they're trying to sell people a bill of goods instead of proclaiming the Gospel with power and anointing and talking about the blood of Jesus. And that's a rant. If it's no, for no one else, it's for me. That's why earlier in this series, and many times before, I've tried to communicate to you that following Jesus is not easy. Can anyone raise their hand and say following Jesus isn't easy? Raise it. I'll raise them both. It's not easy. 
But it's, it's so costly. It's going to cost you everything. But it's the only thing that's worth everything. It is hard to follow Jesus, to respond to the call, to come and die to yourself. Die to yourself. Pick up the cross of Jesus and follow Him. It is hard. Now I've used this example in past messages. A popular preacher in the 1740s. This is the first great awakening. It was a revival. He was from Britain. He came and he preached all and up and down the Atlantic coast, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thousands of people came to listen to this man in the 1740s. He preached with power. Thousands of people responded. He was asked, well, so how many people were saved? At this, at, he would be asked this frequently at this meeting or that meeting. He would say, I don't know. Let's check back with those people in a few years. That's what he would say. He wouldn't brag, say, oh, 573 people raised their hand today. No, he would say, let's go look at their life in a few years. Let's see if their faith persevered, or let's see if they had a superficial heart that responded to the gospel in a moment of emotion and had some kind of emotion and made some kind of commitment that meant nothing because in the end, there was no soil, there was not enough nutrients for that person to grow and develop. Moving on. Before I do, faith without works is dead. Faith without deeds, without works, without change, without being different is dead. James chapter 2, go read it. Go read the whole book of James while you're at it. Number three, the divided heart. I'm taking too long. Say you're taking too long. Mind your business. Number three, the divided heart. Verse seven, these two are the shortest if it makes you feel any better. Verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I won't spend a lot of time here. This is the person who hears the Word, receives it. The soil receives the Word. But it gets choked. It gets choked. It doesn't live. It doesn't thrive. The thorns choke out the seed. Life, and the cares of life, the divided heart, the heart that's after more than just Jesus. The cares of life kill the seed. They kill it. This isn't normally a fast thing. This is a gradual thing. Choking is done gradually. Go read Philippians 3, 13-14. I'll just read the NLT version of it. Paul says this. Philippians 3, 13-14 in the NLT. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I set my focus. I set my gaze. My heart is not divided and focused on different things. I set my gaze on Jesus Christ. Number three. 
the other things, the thorns the, 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 that choke it out, money, the pursuit of money, success, anything in this world can choke out the life of the seed. I've got to hurry. Hello? Matthew 13, 44 through 46. I've got to read it. I'll read it fast. This is how valuable the kingdom is. The one thing is, it's worth giving everything up for. We, we talked about this in week two. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man found and covered it up. And in his joy, goes sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought that pearl. The one thing is worth everything. Heart number four. The fruitful heart. The fruitful heart. Verse 8. Matthew 13, verse 8. I'll read it from my Bible. For time and Josh can keep up if he can. I love you. Can. I love you, Josh. Other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain, some 100, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the one who receives the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, becomes a member of it. And there is the fruit of God, the fruit of the kingdom, you could say, in their life. What does that look like? Read these passages of Scripture very quickly. Galatians 5. 22, you've heard me read it. Through 24, talk about it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. There is no law. Let's skip down to Romans 12, which would be actually skip back to Romans 12, 9 through 21. Go read that for yourself. We're going to move on. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Be aware of false prophets. This is in the Sermon on the Mount who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. If you are a member of God's kingdom, if you have a fruitful heart, fruitful soil, it will be evident. It will be evident. These aren't measuring sticks. Jesus Christ is the measuring stick. But these are the byproducts of knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Him. When you pursue Him, this is what happens. This is the fruit of your life. Galatians 5, 22 through 24, Romans 12, 9 through 21, go read it. Matthew 7, 15 through 20, good fruit. In closing, the question is this is the question. What heart do you have? The hard heart, the superficial heart, the divided heart, or the fruitful heart? That is the question. Do you reject? Do you really just reject it, the message of the kingdom? Is there just this superficial time where it seems like things are good, but all of a sudden, before you know it, 
No fruit. The seed dies. The plant dies. I pray you receive the good news of the kingdom today. And I pray that God softens your heart towards Jesus Christ.